Hi, my name is Michael Warren. I'd like to give you some background on one of my best friends. I call him my brother from another mother. Your host, Jed Hughes. Jed climbed up the football coaching ranks working for and alongside seven Hall of Fame coaches, including Chuck Knoll, Bud Grant, Tony Dungy, and Bo Schimbeckler, just to name a few. Now, I met Jed at my alma mater, UCLA, where I was an All-American basketball player and two-time captain for a couple of Coach John Wooden's championship teams. While Jed was a great defensive coordinator at UCLA recruiting a historic class, I was a cast member on the Emmy Honor television series, Hill Street Blues. Jed somehow creatively involved me in his recruiting pitch, and that turned out to be a lot of fun. After a great stint at UCLA, Jed worked in the NFL for the Minnesota Vikings, Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Cleveland Browns. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Jed holds a master's degree from the University of Stanford and a PhD from the University of Michigan and has led the sports consulting practice for two global executive search firms. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri, and four of the five power conference commissioners, along with many athletic directors and C-suite executives across the industry. I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes podcast. Through this podcast series, Jed will dive into what makes leaders, coaches, and executives great, and what separates the Hall of Famers from the rest. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Welcome to the Jed Hughes Podcast. This is Jed Hughes. Uh, before we introduce my next guest, I want to acknowledge individuals that have helped us develop and produce our podcast. First uh, is my son, John Michael Hughes, whose idea it was to develop the podcast series and who has been the producer. Uh, along with him has been Andrew Montag of the Montag Group, uh, who has been a consultant and an advisor. And additionally, Dan Dardarian, who works at the University of Michigan. Uh, the three of them together are part of the team that has produced uh, the entertainment uh, that you've had the opportunity to listen to. Welcome to the Jed Use podcast. My next guest is Lewis Sharp. Lewis Sharp was an All-American football player at UCLA, a high school All-American out of Detroit, spent 13 years in the National Football League, and then through a series of injuries, became addicted to cocaine and had some grueling life experiences. Over the last five years, he's redefined his life through his, his spiritual beliefs and has reestablished 
his identity, his confidence, and who he is as a human being. I'd like to introduce our guest, number 67, Lewis Sharp. Lewis, glad you could join us today. My pleasure, Doc. It's always good to fellowship with you. Thank you for having me. Well, I remember going back 40 plus years, the first time I ever met you. Mel Farr, the former UCLA All-American Detroit Lion running back, your high school coach, Joe Hoskins, and I joined your family, uh, your mom, your dad, your sister, and we sat around and your dad began the conversation. And I was just blown away by his story of how he immigrated from Cuba to Detroit, got a job, worked in the automobile plant. Once he secured employment, he sent for the rest of the family. I mean, listening to the story of what he did to bring his family over was really heartwarming. And I don't know if you remember the dialogue when we first got together. You got an excellent memory, Doc. Um, yeah, that's absolutely, that's our story. My dad uh, migrated a couple years uh, before the family, before he brought his family over from Havana, Cuba, and started working in the automobile industry right here in Detroit, Michigan. And, and what I do remember, Jay, uh, I remember there was an issue, a millage issue, whether or not we were going to have a football season my senior year at Southwestern High School. And I'll never forget, I was on the phone with you, and you said, don't worry about it. You, we still want you. You have a scholarship here at UCLA, whether or not you have a senior, uh, a senior football season. And that was so heartwarming for me. So I do remember that. I don't know if you remember that. Detroit seems to always have their issues when it comes to finances. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just grateful, uh, Jed, that I, I made the decision that I made. And, and of course, I was the, under the, uh, the tutelage of, uh, of a great man in, in Melfar, uh, working at, at Melfar uh, dealership, God rest his soul. Um, and Mel was a, a tremendous uh, mentor and tremendous uh, influence in my life, uh, along with Coach Hoskins, my high school coach. But, you know, I'm, I'm grateful today. Many of the lessons uh, that I learned from him, the lessons I learned on the football field, you know, I've applied uh, in the NFL, now I can apply in life. The day before you started UCLA, uh, I had you at my house. We got up early the next morning, which I always did, and we headed to UCLA. And I started out on my run, and I can still remember the expression on your face. <laughs> I will never forget that. Uh, Coach Hughes. That was Coach Hughes. It wasn't Jed or Doc. It was Coach Hughes at the time. And I thought you were absolutely insane. You were running, what was it, seven, eight miles? And, and here I was, you know, a fat kid out of UCF or out of Detroit, wasn't really used to conditioning and, and exercise. And here this coach is getting me up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. You're going running with me. You didn't ask. You told me you're going running with me. And uh, I about died on that trail. Um, but, again, there were some, uh, some, some valuable lessons. Uh, and, and I'll never forget, uh, uh, Coach, because I didn't like uh, long distance running. One of the things that I did do after I retired from the NFL, um, I actually ran in two half marathons just to prove to myself that I could accomplish something that I didn't necessarily like doing. And uh, and so you were the impetus for that. I thank you for that, Coach. You're welcome. So number 67, four years as an All-American at UCLA. 
you're selected in in the first round as a, I think the 16th pick. I mean, you left your legacy on UCLA football. Let's talk a little bit about your UCLA days. I mean, you graduated in four years. Well, what was it like being a young black man from Detroit in Los Angeles in the late 70s, early 80s? It was a, a shock coming from the inner city of Detroit and coming from, uh, you know, the educational system and going to the, the higher institution UCLA. Uh, it was a culture shock, and, uh, and it, it wasn't easy. Uh, the benefits or the tools were provided through, through tutors and through the encouragement uh, of many people in the athletic department, including the coaches. Um, you know, we had a, a very disciplined and, uh, and, and structured uh, implementation of, of study uh, habits and uh, study halls, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a great experience. Uh, I met people from different ethnicities and different culture and, uh, and learned things I would not have otherwise learned. So overall, it was a, a very good uh, learning experience for me. You joined the Cardinals, and you're kind of their go-to person. You're bright articulate, bilingual, and just kind of the person that they want to use in speaking engagements and so forth. And then uh, in 1994, I think you hurt your knee. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, your life starts to go in a very different direction. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's very true. You know, I was fortunate enough, uh, Coach, to have been drafted as the number one pick uh, for the Cardinals, 16th overall. Um, I became an, an instant starter. Um, I became team. I was team captain for many years, um, and uh, like you said, I had that career-ending knee injury in 1994. And uh, and then this is one of the things that you know, as I go around, and, and that's one of the things I do today as a result of uh, the the lows uh, that I've had. I go around and I share my hope, or I share my story uh, across the country, different churches, different rehabilitation centers. And so, you know, one of the things I tell them is the fact that despite all of the uh, the success I had in the NFL, despite all of the accolades and, and all of the, the financial uh, acumen, et cetera, et cetera, you know, I didn't know who I, who I was outside of football. I didn't have a, a self-worth outside of being a professional athlete, a very good professional athlete. So when the crowd stopped cheering and, uh, and my football career was over, um, I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my purpose. I didn't really have any significance because all of a sudden, something that I've done most of my life, being an athlete, being a football player, it completely uh, ended. I wasn't making the money. I didn't have the fellowship with the players. Um, uh, I didn't have the, the bright lights, uh, the fans, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't know who I was. And as a result of that, you know, I thought to find myself in, in drugs, abusing drugs, I uh, ended up living in the uh, streets of South Phoenix, South Phoenix um, and ended up getting shot on several occasions, going to prison, et cetera, et cetera. So that, in a nutshell, is uh, is my story. Plus, you lost a daughter in the process. I mean, that had to be awful. Yeah, I lost I lost my daughter. My daughter was uh, tragic, tragically murdered in, uh, in 2007 uh, there in Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, and I'll, I'll always remember uh, soon after that, six, seven months after that, I received a uh, five-year uh, prison sentence for drug possession and drug paraphernalia, and uh, and I went to prison uh, as a result of that. 
But, you know, what I thought was my greatest curse turned out to be my best blessing because it was there in those five years that I was in prison that I found the relationship with the God of my understanding. And I, um, I, I grew in, in a foundation, a biblical foundation, and uh, Jesus Christ became my Lord and Savior. And, uh, and that began the process of deliverance uh, from, uh, from drugs, alcohol. I started working out, uh, taking care of myself physically, which I continue to do today. And, uh, and that started the, uh, the process of recovery for me, uh, Coach Hughes. That was 2013 or so? So 2013 is when I, I was released from, uh, from prison. I went in 2008. So you and I reconnected when Kenny, when we had that dinner and cocktail party for Ken Easley at UCLA for his induction in the NFL Hall of Fame, I can remember you coming up to me and you, you just, your energy level, your presence, you know, your positive attitude was just couldn't believe the fact that you were there and we were talking and how you had really redefined yourself. Yeah, well, uh, Coach, I, I appreciate that. And that really means a lot uh, coming from someone that took known me since I was 17, uh, 18 years old. And uh, I, I really, uh, I really appreciate that. Um, and I, I can tell you that, uh, you know, without sounding too uh, religious, you know, um, it's, it's all about uh, being a Christian, being a Christian today, coming to Christ and, uh, and recognizing the power to overcome habits and, and addictions and sins. Um, I, I'm no longer my own. I, I turn my life and my will over to his care on a daily basis. And, and, and what I've learned through the years is that the, the problem is me. The problem is my self-centeredness, my pride, my, my ego, my arrogance, et cetera, et cetera. And until I get that out of the way, those things out of the way, I, I can't have a, a spiritual relationship uh, with my higher power, and I'm not going to be successful in anything I do in life as long as I try to run my own run my own show. So I, I work on a daily basis uh, to improve my relationship and to get better on a daily basis, be a better man, and uh, and so my life is good. My life is good today, coach. So when you think about the social issues that really unfolded when George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis several months ago. How have you reacted? Uh, what have you seen? What do you think your role is as it relates to social issues today? Well, I, I tell you, I, I do not, I hate the, the divisiveness, uh, the divide, uh, the acrimony, all of the, uh, the arguments that the people, you know, we, we have to come uh, together as a, as a nation and we have to learn to respect uh, each other's uh, uh, disagreements. Uh, we don't have to all agree for us to have peace. It's okay to disagree with one another as long as we respect each other's views so that we, so that we can play in the same uh, sandbox. Uh, absolutely, it was horrible what happened to, to George Floyd. I, I think it's great that it's bringing awareness around the globe uh, to, uh, to issues um, surrounding uh, the inequalities of African Americans in healthcare. Uh, the inequalities and disparities in the, the prison uh, systems uh, with jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Those are some, some long-held issues that have been needed to, to be addressed for a long time. And, and I'm glad that it's, uh, I, I'm glad and, and hopeful that they're, they're, they're going to improve with uh, the enlightenment that has come as a result of, uh, of what uh, happened. 
what tragically happened to Mr. Floyd. So you played uh, a very physical position, both in high school, college, and the NFL, being an offensive lineman, using your head as a battering ram, the way it was taught. Talk about the effect of head injuries, the way that you played, and how it might be impacting your life today. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. You know, we were taught, Coach, and you know, having coached for many years, we were taught to use our head as a weapon, especially on the offensive line position. And under uh, Coach uh, Jim Jim Hamilton, I don't know if you know Annie. Yes. Annie is uh, he's known as, as one of the better uh, offensive line coaches of, of all time, and I'm grateful to have been under his tutelage. Um, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, I, I suffer from the effects of that, those uh, repetitive hits uh, to the head. And, uh, you know, I suffer from short-term memory loss. There's depression that goes along with it. There's mood swings. And uh, and it's frustrating. It's kind of embarrassing to, to talk about, you know, because we talk as, uh, as athletes, as pro-athletes, not to complain. We'll pull ourselves up by the bootstrap and, and, and get out there and just get it done, no matter how it is that you're feeling. But uh, it's it's undeniable um, what happens when you uh, when you use your head as a, a batting ram, and, and I tell people all the time, uh, particularly individuals that have young kids, young boys that want to get involved in sports, in football, to make sure that they do their research, make sure that they know all the ins and outs, talk to the coaches uh, that are going to be coaching these young men. Uh, how aware are they about repetitive head trauma? Uh, what are they? What are their plans? What techniques are they teaching? That going to be going to make sure that those uh, those athletes are protected, that their heads are protected before they put them out there on that football uh, field. It's uh, it's very important because you know there are lifelong consequences, and uh, and and sadly many of the uh, the players or some of the players that I played with um, have taken their life, and and they found that. Uh, that protein CTE in their brains that results from repetitive head, head trauma, uh, the Junior Seals, uh, the Andre Waters, the Dave Dorsen. I, I knew these men. I played with these men. And, and it's uh, sad that we didn't know uh, before they uh, made that ultimate sacrifice and took their own lives. We didn't have the information that we have today. Maybe we could have gotten them the treatment that they needed so they wouldn't have did what, what ended up happening and taking their own lives. I, I we had an experience. One of the players I coached, Mike Webster, was our center, all pro center for a number of years. And you know, I, I've never I've never seen a player like him in practice. He would be hurt. He'd have elbow pads on every snap, whether it was scout team or team he took. And then when he was done, he'd run the stadium stairs. I've never seen <laughs> I've never seen a player that committed. And what you just talked about, you know, did him in. And I don't think people at that point understood nor offered him the type of help he needed in order to deal with the demons he had. Absolutely. Is he talking about Webby, Mike Webster? Yep. Oh, absolutely. And he's the one that got this entire uh, concussion dialogue started. Uh, Dr. Bennett Omalu, you know, they did the movie Concussion based on that uh, that testimony, that story. And I guess uh, Dr. Omalu studied Mike Webster's brain and came up with the theory that this protein resulting from repetitive head trauma called CTE was present in, uh, in Webster's uh, brain. The impact and the long-term results that the NFL players are experiencing you know, is really tragic in a lot of ways. Again, 
I really appreciate you uh, for joining me today. And as I think about all the players I've been associated with, your journey, uh, your recovery with the help of the Lord and finding your spiritual connection is the most remarkable and rewarding I, I think I've ever witnessed. So I, I appreciate the fact that we've gotten reconnected and look forward to doing anything I can to help you in the future. I appreciate that, Coach Hughes. And I, I can tell you that uh, I love this uh, this podcast that, that you're doing. Um, I was listening to uh, CEO with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, I think. Yeah, Mark Shapiro. Uh, yeah, Mark Shapiro. And, you know, he was talking about uh, effective leaders. Effective leaders, they uh, they have to be deeply empathetic and compassionate and thoughtful. And, and how, you know, when you're that type of leader, you know, you view other people through their lens, not so much through your own lens. You look at uh, what, what is another teammates or a co-worker that are their fears, their worries, their doubts, goals, aspirations, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and you have a better capacity to understand and lead those individuals. And that was something that I was reminded. And, I, you know, I wanted to ask you when I was listening, you work with two three-time college All-Americans and Jerry Robinson and Kenny Easley. And I was thinking when I was listening to Mr. Shapiro, I wonder if Jed can identify what Shapiro was identifying as effective leadership. You know, what, what qualities could you relate with Kenny and, uh, and Jerry with that, uh, that model that he expressed? Well, I think, first of all, even though I was, I was difficult and challenging, I think that, that I cared about them. That what we did off the off the uh, field, whether it was coming to my house for dinner, whether it was coming into the office and, and doing things together, there was a personal bond that I think they knew that I, you know, cared about them, and it went just it went far beyond just playing football. I think that connection of you letting the player know, in Jerry's case or in in Ease's case that, you know, you were there to support them regardless of what happened. I mean, it's like, you know, he's had some issues his first year with the dorm and you had to get him resituated and that ended up working out. So it was that when you committed to work with a, an athlete, you wanted to make sure they were going to school. You wanted to make sure they were doing the things they needed to do to, to be safe and, and to um, not only be an athlete, but to be, to be successful off the field, whether it came to dealing with people, whether it came to their education, uh, their ability to, to lead others and to uh, and to motivate. Yeah, yeah, that, that's awesome that you were that that empathetic and, and compassionate and, and thoughtful um, about those that were un, under your tutelage, and, and obviously you know they hosted at the very highest level. Like Jerry Jay Rob, Jerry Robinson played many years. Uh, in the NFL, and Kenny Easley became uh, an NFL Hall of Famer. So uh, I thank you, Jed, uh, for your influence in their lives and, and the lives of myself uh, and so many others that I could I could name. Thank you for that. Well, again, I appreciate you joining us today, and uh, good luck on your journey, and let me know how I can help.